Welcome, everyone, to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hey, everybody. This is Ray McKinley. Thank you for joining my first podcast in a series of podcasts. We're going to do a weekly podcast coming up here in the next year and hopefully beyond. It really came out of my teaching concepts related to thought leadership. And I wrote a book about it, and now I'm speaking about it, and now I'm talking here on the podcast about it. And the first person I want to talk with is my son, Brian. And Brian and I are going to have a little conversation. This will be like a virtual cup of tea <laughs> for us, okay? I'm more of a black coffee guy myself. All right. Well, that's, that's good, right. too. We can do that. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian. I'm in my early 30s. I have been working with Doc, as I call him, which mystifies people. They're like, well, he's your dad, right? Yeah, he's my dad, but I call him Doc because, you know, he's a doctor. He fixes everything. So anyway, I've helped him with the book, and I've also helped him in the classroom before that. And I'm honored to be here on the very first episode of the Ride the Elephant podcast or whatever. What are we going to call it? We have Ride the Elephant Today. Ride the Elephant Today. Ride the Elephant Today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next year. A lot of times we've been waiting to ride the elephant our whole life and we need to face the elephant in the room and get on board and ride it. And we need to take the foibles of our life and find ways to find meaning to the suffering we've had in our life and make purpose of it. So that's really what we're going to talk about. And great leaders do that. And initially, this podcast will function around the theme of great leaders create great cultures and great cultures create great organizations. Do you agree with that, Brian? Yeah, I do. I've had some experience in seeing how leaders affect the energy of their flock. And I think when we talk about leadership, some people might say, well, we're talking about leadership of a company. Well, I'm actually more interested in the leadership of myself and personal leadership. What is my leadership in my domain? What's my leadership in my office? What's my leadership in the community? What's my leadership in the church? Anytime there's two people together or more, I have a role and a responsibility as a leader in that relationship. You and I have a relationship, mm -hmm. even though you might say I'm the leader of yours in my relationship, but I don't really see it that way. I see you have a leadership role at times and I have a leadership role at times. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Sometimes I take a stand and mm -hmm. try to grab the conversation by the horns. And sometimes I need you to grab the conversation <laughs> by the horns because I get off on a tangent. And one of the reasons I want you to be here today is to make sure I don't do that. So thank you for being here, Brian. I really appreciate it. One of the things we want to talk about when we talk about leadership is there's leaders in manufacturing, there's leaders in the service industry, there's leaders in education, healthcare, government, there's leaderships in all sorts of organizations. There's leaders in the media. Actually, there's leaders in gangs on the street. Everywhere two or more people meet, leaders emerge. And 
I really don't want to talk about specifically what causes a manufacturing company to be great and what causes them to be financially successful where they please the board of directors. I'm not interested in doing that. Although that's a great topic, I'm more interested in talking about the leadership that we have inside and what we do to have an effect on the culture of our organizations and the culture of our families and the cultures of our communications with others. So one of the things that we're gonna talk about today is how great leaders recognize the damaging effects of blame and they skillfully mitigate it with taking personal responsibility. You know, Brian, one of the things that I've observed in my personal history and in my life, I spent a great part of my life blaming myself. I came from a situation, a family where we had a death of my brother at a very young age. I felt responsible for the death of my brother and it just so happens my brother's name was Brian. I felt responsible for the death of Brian at a very young age. And I was 10 years old and I was driving the Jeep that was towing a trailer that was picking up garbage around the house, broken branches. And Brian was in the Jeep and he crawled out the back and fell into the trailer and died. And I felt so responsible for that, that I had a hard time not blaming myself. Every time I was with my parents and every time I was with my other siblings, I always felt I was responsible for Brian not being here. And I blamed myself for that for years and years and years and years. As I got older, I recognized that I wasn't the only one. Uh, there was a lot of other people that were having those type of feelings of blame. You know, Brian, when I was back teaching this in the high school, I addressed these issues of blame because I saw so many of the students, and you were one of the students in the classroom, that blamed themselves for things that caused great harm to them personally because they had a set of beliefs that didn't serve them very well. And it prevented them from being good leaders and good stewards of themselves. So one of the things that you may have had an experience like that in your life where you felt blame. So we have two parts of blame that we need to, to kind of dissect and make sure we're clear about. One is blaming of yourself as I did and the other is blaming others. One of the things we do oftentimes as we find ourselves in conflict with other people or something doesn't go well for us, we have a tendency to blame others. In fact, one of the things we do is instead of taking personal responsibility, we find a need to blame. We do it in our families, we do it in our marriages, we do it at work, coworkers do it with each other, and it really causes a lot of damage to the culture of an organization. Do you have any comments about that, Brian, as far as blame in your life, blame in the corporation, blame in the family? How does that fit for you? Well, I'm no stranger to blame of self and others. And everybody has a different take on this or a different personal history related to blame and the way that they blame themselves and the way that they blame others. And we're quick to blame others. And I have to assiduously go into my own thoughts and think to myself, well, it's so easy to blame others, but what other options do I have before I blame others? Because I know 
that personal responsibility is possible. I've seen you take personal responsibility. I've seen other members of the family and other friends and people in my life manage to take personal responsibility. It's not as common as blame, Mm -hmm. of course, but I know that it's possible. So I'm curious how you lead yourself. We can agree that leadership starts on the inside. For sure. And then works its way out to the people in your tribe. So I'm curious, what are some of the thoughts that you have to start the leadership process within? Yeah, and that's a great question. For me, when I witness blaming in my culture and in my office and in my family unit, I realized that I was doing the same thing that I was being critical of everyone else. So I started to recognize and catch myself in blame. You know, as soon as blame started falling off my lips, I would say, stop. I had this visual of a red, big octagon stop sign. And it would say, stop, don't go there. Don't go to blame. Because I had mischief in this situation too. And I need to take personal responsibility for that. Not only do I need to take personal responsibility for my mischief in that situation, I also need to take personal responsibility for how I'm responding to that situation now. So as I see behavior that I maybe want to blame, I need to ask myself, what can I do to mitigate that feeling? And it is by taking personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is if you don't model taking personal responsibility as a leader, you're not going to get personal responsibility from other people. So one of the things that I had in the first few years of my dental practice was I saw this blaming culture. You know, the assistants were blaming the hygienists, the hygienists were blaming each other, the front desk was blaming the back, the back was blaming the receptionist. Everyone was blaming everybody else. And I said, you know, this is craziness. We're never going to get anywhere. And of course, I only had to look so far as to myself to recognize that I was doing the same thing. I was going to blame I was trying to find whose fault it was and assign blame. Yeah, that's the habit. Yeah, that's what we do. And what I recognize is great leaders do not do that. Great leaders stop. They change that habit. They change that habit. I like the visual of the stop sign. It works for me. You know, I need to get one of those stop signs and hold it. You know, like the one that the school guard crossing? They always hold that stop sign up. And that's what I need. I need that stop sign. Yeah. In the class, you would call it sometimes the power of the pause, right? which is similar. Just try to stop your thinking for a second. Well, do or do not, there is no try. Stop yeah. your thinking for a second right. and think, what are my other options? Yeah, and taking personal responsibility is the option. Mm-hmm. You know, I had an interesting story along that line, and maybe you could have a story too. But I had one assistant one time that well, actually... A lab case was supposed to go out, and it didn't go to the right lab. It actually was sent to the wrong lab. So it kind of created a problem. We got a call from the lab and say, you know, had some questions about it. We realized it went to the wrong lab. And then I recognized that it went to the wrong lab. I went to that person, challenged them. And she basically looked at me, and Kirsten said to me, Doc, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. It won't happen again. Now, Kirsten was one of my four assistants. However, she said, I'll take care of it. Now, about two hours later, what was interesting is I had another assistant come to me and she said to me, Doc, I'm really sorry about sending that case to the wrong lab. 
And I said, what do you mean? And she says, well, Kirsten wasn't even here that day. I sent it to the wrong lab. And I said, that's interesting. And I thought, well, thanks for letting me know. But what was interesting about that is Kirsten was taking personal responsibility by not saying to me, Doc, I wasn't here that day. It wasn't my fault. Someone else did it. Bottom line is, she took personal responsibility and said she took care of it. And I realized that my culture had shifted in the office when that happened. And that was a significant change. But it began with me. And it took me months, if not years, to really convey that message through the leadership channels of our office. So now we talk about it constantly that we don't blame. We take personal responsibility. And that's key. What about for you? Do you have an experience that ties to that? Sure. The thing that really jumps out for me is my divorce. A lot of people can probably relate to this. Of course, the things that you're talking about are the kind of things that happen in businesses across the country or all over the world every day. But there's also a lot of blame outside the workplace and in interpersonal relationships. And it's taken me a while to process the blame of my ex-spouse in the divorce. And also blaming myself. Honestly, blaming myself for things that I really can't change about myself, like my physical condition, things of that nature. And while I would invoke some idioms there, I like a good idiom or a good mantra. It can be really helpful, like the serenity prayer. There are things that I can change and there are things that I cannot and I have to adopt the wisdom to know the difference. And as far as blaming myself, I had to let that go. And as far as blaming her, I just changed my approach. And instead of saying, well, she did this and she did that, today I say things like, well, I chose this. I chose to marry her, knowing full well about her idiosyncrasies. And I chose to respond negatively when things would come up. And that's become one of my favorite idioms to escape from blame. So first I throw up the pause or the stop sign. And then I say, what did I choose? What choices did I make that led to this? And that's a nice bridge from blame to personal responsibility. I think it's hard for people to just go from one to the other. But to ask a question like, well, what did I choose? Because I chose to invite this person into my life. Or there's been projects that I've worked on with people where I was getting a little frustrated with the person. And in almost all those circumstances, I chose that person to help me with the project. So I have to step back and say, wait, I chose this. And so what am I going to do now? And that's different than pointing the finger or going on the attack. You know, it is. And when you come to that point of recognition, when you have that awareness that you're doing that, it's a game changer. You know, it truly is when you can take personal responsibility, it empowers you. 
when do you feel better? Do you feel better when you're blaming? Or do you feel better when you're taking personal responsibility for something that happened? Really, blaming never really felt that good to me. And I really didn't understand it. Actually, I didn't deserve to feel that good because of what I did. So I was okay with not feeling that good. But when I really recognized that and took a new position in my blaming mindset, it was like freedom. It was like lifting me out of that debilitating mindset. You know, an amazing example of that happened to me when I was a young man in my early 20s. And you and I know another man, Paul Kohler, who was a friend of the family. Yeah. And Paul was going through college as an art student, and he was working in a shop. And it wasn't a great place to work, but it was a place where he could earn some money to pay for his college. And he was working in these stamping presses in Detroit. And what happened was the company was putting pressure on the staff or the employees to put out more parts. So they removed some of the safety features off the machines. And what happened, boom, this press came down on Paul's hands. He lost both hands just above the wrist in a split second. And here he is as an art student, now wondering what he's going to do the rest of his life. Now, Paul could have been easy for me to understand why Paul could blame. Blame everybody. Blame everybody. Blame the boss, blame the co-worker that pushed the button, blamed a lot of people. But you know what? He never did. And that was so amazing to me. He took personal responsibility for it. And because of that, he was able to, went back to art school, got his degree from Wayne State University, ended up getting a master's degree in art. And then he was able to find a way to make a huge difference. Now, he didn't get a job in a college, which is what his dream was, to teach art right away. But he found another way to help others. And he worked to help other people who were injured, handicapped, debilitated, get some of the benefits they were available to them mm -hmm. so they could live a normalized life. And he did that for 40 years. And it just so happened when he retired from that position, he had ended up getting his dream position of teaching, a, teaching. A, an art class at yeah. Oakland University. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was the first in the country, the first bilateral amputee right. in the United States yes. to get the degree of that level in art. Yeah. And it's interesting, it reminds me of what you said just a moment ago about how freeing it is to take personal responsibility. If he had allowed himself to be distracted by the blame of the manufacturer of the equipment, the boss at the factory, how long it took the ambulance to get to him, whatever it was, he chose to free himself of that instead. And it opened up his mind to then innovate. He and his dad created all these custom prosthetics so that he could continue to play basketball and golf, even in the absence of his hands. Yes. And when you let go of blame and you turn to personal responsibility, you give yourself your power back. When you're blaming others, you're giving them the power over you. And he chose to take personal responsibility and gave himself his power back. And in spite of not having his hands, he was still able to innovate and figure out a way to get through it. And that's probably the most powerful thing about personal responsibility is that you're 
acknowledging, wait, wait, I have power. I have some involvement in everything that happens to me. That's right. No matter how external it seems, it seems like it could be God is raining down hellfire from above. You still have personal power. And if Anthony Robbins was here, he'd be giving a loud, I. That's right, he would. (laughs) And lots of thought leaders would acknowledge that. That personal responsibility is re-engaging your personal power to lead your own life and not be hung up on And it's to stop blaming. Yes. Stop justifying. Mm-hmm. Justification is another way. We're justified to feel that way. And was Paul Kohler justified? Yeah. Objectively, probably, yeah. yeah. But he never saw himself as a victim. He didn't get entangled in that thinking. No, he never had a victim mindset, which is crippling. Victim mindset can cripple you and prevent you from taking personal responsibility. So much so that you think, screw this, I'm not going to take personal responsibility for this because this person did this to me or that person did that to me. And they will play the victimhood card for the rest of their life until they become aware of the damage and effect that it does to them. So blaming is interesting. I found when I look at Paul Kohler and I look at something you said earlier, Brian, and I've learned this through my own personal experiences, there's a belief that strong leaders have around blame and a blaming mindset. This is the belief. I have a choice. How I respond, everything happens to me. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to paraphrase that a little bit, but that's the idiom I like. A story that kind of reminds me of this is Dawn decided to go to a friend's house. She's a college-age girl, and she decides to go to a friend's house and spend some time there hanging out with a group of friends. So she goes there, and shortly after midnight, she decides to drive home. She pulls up to a red light in an intersection, and after the light turned green, she looked both ways and proceeded through the intersection. And out of nowhere, a car came rambling down the road, racing through the intersection, slammed into the side of Dawn's car, and she was severely injured. In fact, she was permanently paralyzed. Now, the question I would ask you, Brian, and the question I would ask the audience, who's responsible for Dawn's injuries? Clearly, it wasn't her fault. The driver of the car ran the red light. He's to blame. Or it could be the manufacturer of her car. Maybe there's a malfunction. Maybe the traffic lights weren't working. Maybe it was weather-related. The reality is the courts are going to decide whose fault it is. But the question is, does Dawn have personal responsibility for her injuries? What do you say, Brian? Is that a story that's in the book, Ride an Elephant? Yeah. Does Dawn have personal responsibility? In other words, when you choose to get behind the wheel of a car, are you inviting or electing the risk of something like this happening to you. And does that mean that you have personal responsibility? Well, if it's true that you have personal responsibility in everything that happens to you, then to some extent, Dawn shares in the responsibility of her own paralysis. Dawn has personal responsibility because Dawn made a decision to drive home after midnight, knowing that there's a higher chance, a greater chance after midnight, that someone might not be driving with all their senses and might be running traffic lights. I've seen people drive without their senses in the middle of the day, too. Yes, this is true. (laughs) And that's true. And every time you get in a car... Anytime. Anytime you run that risk. So you have personal responsibility for that. 
It's more than being personal responsibility for the situation. Yes, you're paralyzed for the rest of your life. Now what do you do? You now have personal responsibilities for how you respond to what happened. That's the part that is tricky for people. They say, I don't have any personal responsibility for that. That was that driver's fault. The driver was drunk, he was texting, whatever it is. That's their fault. Well, yes. However, you have personal responsibility for how you respond to that, period. If you respond as a victim, if you lament it the rest of your life, if you're angry at that person, you can't even think straight. This we see in oftentimes with people that are maybe sexually assaulted. A person who is sexually assaulted can sit there and say, you know, that person, I can't stand that person, just makes me sick. And they have all these feelings about that person. That's all true, and I get that. But if, unless you take personal responsibility for how you're responding to that situation, that's going to stick with you the rest of your life. And if you're never going to forgive that person and never move beyond that, you'll be a victim forever. You may have been powerless at the time, but you're not powerless for all time. That's a great way of saying it. And she's still worthy, well, in the case of someone who was sexually assaulted, she's still worthy of being a thought leader for other people who have been in a similar circumstance. Dawn, who was paralyzed from an accident, which could have been avoided, she's worthy still and has the power to be a thought leader for other yeah. people who have been injured in an accident. Yes, and I know of a woman who was raped as a young woman, and she went on to law school, and she became an attorney, and now she's an advocate in helping those rape victims today because of her personal history, because of her pain and suffering that she had. She found purpose. She found meaning to her pain and suffering and started to create something good for other people. And that's taking personal responsibility for those tough things that happen in our life and doing something great with them. Yeah, it's got to be difficult, but people probably have more courage than they give themselves credit for. Absolutely. So, Doc, I have a question for you. Yes. What can a leader do or what mindset can they get themselves in or belief can they adopt to stray away from being critical of their teammates or blaming their teammates and instead getting in a position to have yeah, a different relationship? That's, that's a big one because I think what happens is we have a tendency when things aren't going well to look to what other people aren't doing that are causing problems for us. So. One of the beliefs that I took on, and in really talking to other great leaders, they took on this belief as well. It's basically, it is this. I believe that everyone is doing the best they can with the prevailing awareness they have at the time. I have said that a thousand times. I say it to myself. It's in my self-talk. I say it in our office staff meetings. I say it when I hear somebody being critical of another person. I say, you know, they're just doing the best they can. You know, that's all they know right now, so they're just doing the best they can. Everyone's doing the best they can with the prevailing awareness they have at the time. We are all prone to make mistakes, and we all fall short of the mark. However, if we constantly beat that drum and beat that person, they lose confidence. They don't have a belief in themselves. And when you take on the position, this belief, 
that everyone's doing the best they can with the prevailing awareness they have at the time, your mind changes. What it does for me, it says, oh, I can be patient with this person now. I can be tolerant. You know what? I can even ask them a question. That starts processing or creating a conversation that maybe will move the needle some. But if I take this position of being critical, blaming, frustration, anger, all those other emotions, I'm not doing anything to facilitate the person to a different place. So great leaders believe that everyone's doing the best they can. And they don't ask people to do things that they aren't willing to do themselves. And they don't ask people to do things that they know they can't do or they're maybe beyond their ability to do. So that is very important part of the process of not blaming and taking on a belief that can shift the culture of your organization. Okay. Feel good to you? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I have another belief that I use all the time, and it's helped me a lot. And when I say to myself, it's not my fault, and I don't want to take responsibility, I'm not being totally honest and truthful. That's a hard assessment to put on yourself because you always think that, you know, it's not me, it's somebody else. However, when I say it's not my fault, I'm not being honest and truthful. What I mean by that is I have some responsibility in setting the situation up. It's like if I'm going to take personal responsibility for everything that happens to me, why don't I take personal responsibility in advance for the things that happen to me? So maybe I didn't set it up properly. Maybe I didn't get clear agreements. Maybe I didn't get a clear understanding that I really didn't ask the right questions. So it helps me be more honest and truthful with the root cause of the issue. So I think what you find is leaders that are asking themselves that question do a better job of leading their teams than ones who don't. Yeah, I think that it's really, really difficult to adopt that line of thinking. There's so many times where it really feels like it's your fault, or maybe that it truly is not your fault. And how do you tell the difference? Well, there's no question at times. You can say, it's not my fault, and you look at somebody else and say, it's their fault. But there's times that you can look at that and say, you know, it's not their fault either. You know, this thing just happened, and it just is. And if you have an organization set up in a way that allowed that situation to fall flat or fail, you have to look at the total culture, maybe the systems in your business that maybe has caused that to be. What good does it do to put blame? What good does it do to assign fault? What solutions come out of that? So... What this allows me to do by having this belief, it causes me to be more creative and find creative solutions and finds ways for you and I, let's both take this on. We didn't get the outcome we wanted. That's obvious. Let's not assign fault. Let's just assign that we didn't get the outcome we wanted. And what can we do different to have a different outcome? And it may be the way we set it up. Maybe we need another person involved. Maybe we need to hire another company to come in. Or maybe we need to hire a vice counsel or a consultant. We may need to do some other things. But let's share the burden here of coming up with a better answer. And great leaders do that. It doesn't do any good 
to weaken another person by pointing the finger and saying, you're to blame, you're at fault. Great leaders don't do that. Great leaders say to themselves, you know what? I chose that person. I allowed that person to do that job. So I have some responsibility in that. That's a tough thing to say, but great leaders say it because they take personal responsibility for the situations that happen in life and everything that happens. Yeah. It reminds me of Goodwill Hunting. Oh, that's a great movie. I'm a big Robin Williams fan, obviously. Who isn't? So what about the movie? Remind well, you. there's that great scene where they're in one of their sessions and Matt Damon's character is still lamenting his personal history with his abusive father. And Robin Williams, who's gone through his own trauma and his own suffering, has gone through all this already. And he tells Matt Damon, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And... Yeah, it gets me every time. <laughs> but I think the next piece is that Robin Williams is telling him, you know, in the story is, yeah, that thing that happened, it's not your fault. But that was then. This is now. You've got to let it go and start living your life and move on, which is the theme of the movie by the end of it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. A leader lifts his teammates up out of lamenting the past. Different people probably need more time to lament than others. That's true. It's a future orientation. A good leader will ask the questions and project an attitude of being oriented towards the future. There's nothing future about blaming somebody. You're not looking at the future when you're blaming someone. You're looking at the past because you're blaming someone about something that happened. You need to look at what's happened and say, what can we do to mitigate this in the future? What can we do to make sure that it doesn't happen again? Let's get together. I want to say, first of all, right off the bat, that this is where I fell short. The leader says, right off the bat to his team, this is where I fell short. This is what I could have done better. I didn't prepare you well enough for this job. And I didn't bring the right people in for this job to help you and coach you along the way. That's my weakness in this. And I regret that. And I am now going to make a new decision about that. That allows everyone else to take personal responsibility if they're part of the mischief. Then everyone has a part in it. And they all can say, all right, together as a team, we are now going to find the answers that will work better for us in the future than this situation presented itself. So, yeah, very good example. You know, another belief that I have, and I've seen other great leaders have, is when I blame somebody else, it really does more harm to my mindset than it does to theirs. It does more harm to me than it does to the person I'm blaming. Because what happens in my mind is I am not being accountable. I'm not taking personal responsibility. I am really passing the buck. So one of the things that I do by saying to myself, I'm doing more harm to myself when I blame somebody else than I am to them. It really works for me. And I always say that blame poisons my mind, and that poison is released throughout my whole body when I think about that situation or that person I'm blaming. It prevents me from being happy. It causes me to have a negative demeanor and harbor negative thoughts. Blame makes it difficult for me to be respectful and caring as I angrily and openly 
create these negative feelings. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one really speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, I think that's so important. I think those four beliefs, if a leader can really start incorporating that in his mindset, they'll have a more positive effect on their culture and then the organization they're working with. You have anything else you want to add to that? I, oh. loved your, I loved your story, by the way. Thanks. It makes me want to go on Netflix and watch that movie. Yeah, again. I wonder if it's on there. I don't know, but there's some good stories out there. Oh, yes. You know, one of the things that I have found that works for me is to help me take personal responsibility more is what I call these precepts. I keep saying to myself, and I say these precepts over and over again, and it just becomes part of my mantra, part of my thinking. And it really allows me to be a better leader. And one of them is, I will cut others a little slack. Hmm. I will reject being a co-conspirator of a blaming nature. Hmm. I'm just not going to participate in it. If someone's going to blame, I'm not going to go along and say, oh, yeah, you have every right to blame. So even if you're not blaming, someone hmm. else is going. Yeah, but we, we become complicit because we let that stand and say, oh, yeah, you have a right to blame that person. No, you don't have a right to blame that person. So one of the things I do, I will cut others a little slack and I will reject that tendency to let that blame stand. What do you tell someone who's coming with you with a blame and what another I say to person? Them, I say, you know what? They're doing the best they can with the building where I say at the time. And you know what? I didn't set them up for success. I set them up for failure. So would you say that's one of your key precepts? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can modify your precepts all the time, but you want to have a precept that gives you the power to be that strong person taking personal responsibility. And sometimes you need to talk to yourself about that because you had all these negative tapes playing from years and years and years of your personal history. Another one I say is, boy, this is a big one for me, and it ties into what I just said. I said, I will eliminate any codependent relationships that keep supporting my blaming ways and the blaming ways of others. I think one of the things that's characteristic of a blamer is they have blaming friends. Oh, yeah. And that's called codependency. In other words, I'm going to support you and your blame of all those things that you would need to blame, and you support me and all the blaming I need to do. And we can put our arms around each other. Hey, good buddy, let's keep on blaming because I'll support your blame and you support mine. And those are the kind of friends that I just decided I didn't want to have in my life anymore because I don't want to have those kinds of blaming relationships going on. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to commiserate with another blamer. And I don't want somebody to commiserate with my blaming because when they start to say, you have a right to feel that way, Ray, about blaming that person, I'm thinking, what? No, I don't. I don't have a right to do that. It just makes me look weak. So when people are gossiping about other people, is that kind of like blame? Gossip is blaming in disguise. Oh. Absolutely. Gossiping is like absolute blaming. And I just don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be around a part of a gossiper gossiping about somebody else that they're blaming. And I just sit there and I'll say, mm, you know, we don't know the whole story behind that. We don't know what happened in their life that caused them to do what they did. You know, there could be a lot of pain going on in their heart right now, and there could be a lot of suffering. Something could have happened deep down that we just don't know about. Yeah. So I ask myself sometimes, I wonder what happened in their life that causes them to respond the way they do. Instead of attacking them, I just wonder. I'm curious. 
And if I'm bold enough and I have a relationship enough, I might even ask the question because I care about that. And I would love to facilitate someone else to break from that barrier and move past their blaming ways. So these are all different idioms or precepts that kind of have their own little nuance of how to change the thoughts in your mind from blame to cutting them a little slack. Yeah. Understanding that everybody is at a different point of awareness. Absolutely. That kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, another one that ties into that that I need to remind myself of is I will surround myself with people who take personal responsibility and they expect me to do the same. You know, I love having a relationship with that kind of person because I used to have a relationship with blamers because I was a blamer. And you know what? I didn't realize this, but because I blamed all the time, people who didn't like blaming, they left me and they didn't want anything to do with me because I was a friend they didn't like being around because I was a blamer and a gossiper. So why am I going to hang with people who are blamers and gossipers? I choose to be with people who take personal responsibility because it lifts me up. It causes me to be a better person. So by choosing to be with that kind of person, I become that kind of person. So great leaders, strong leaders, learn to develop relationships. It might be a mentor. It might be with a fellow worker. So I think what is important about that is that we do the best we can with the prevailing awareness we have at the time. You know, Brian, I want to get to some of these other precepts here before we wrap up our day. Another one that I talk about is I will stop explaining, defending, and justifying my actions because whenever I'm justifying my action, I'm assigning blame. And I will forgive those who have said hurtful and mean things to me. That's another thing that we can do to mitigate the blaming nature. The other one that we're seeing it play out with the amount of blame that's going on from a society standpoint is I will reject the blaming that is expected of my ethnicity and my social background, and I will resist the cultural normalization of blaming. Blaming has just become such a cultural normality that we just accept it and we don't put a stop to it. So I would encourage all of us on this call today to start holding up a red stop sign and stop the blaming. And it begins with us as leaders of our tribe, as leaders of our relationships. Do you have any final thoughts? This is really challenging. It seems like you could do several other episodes about blame alone. I enjoyed the conversation today. Thanks for inviting me out to talk to you about blame. Yeah, thank It's you a challenging blame. subject, but yeah, it's important. You. It is important. And I appreciate you being a part of the conversation today. My pleasure. Hey, looking forward to talking to you again next time, and we're going to get into another aspect of blame, and we're going to talk more about justification and excuses. So hope you can join us next time for the Ride the Elephant today. Today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week. Thank you.